Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. Hey, Evan. Hey, Brandon. Guess what? What? It's a podcast day. No. Yeah. Jeez. We've done a lot of them. I thought I was here for the carnival. <laughs> well, uh, so we don't know what we're going to talk about, but we're going to get into it. Yep. yep. Um, I would ask you what is new. Yeah, you would. But I but. want to tell you what's new for me first. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. That's fine. want to do that's me. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> There's a joke there somewhere. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yes. What's going, what's going on with you, Brandon? What's well, not much <laughs> <laughs> now. Um, so I've been, uh, I've been doing all the, all the things to kind of get my acting career back up and running. Um, getting the new headshots and rolling back into class. Uh, I'm actually beginning to do a regular practice with my, with my acting. So every day, like I've already been for the last few years, I've been writing every single day, actually more than a few years. Um, in several months, it will be five years on the dot. I will have written every single day for at least half an hour a day. And it's done amazing things for my career to literally write every day. Yeah. And I would say that it's surprisingly not necessarily just the writing ability of practicing writing, but the mindfulness of focusing on writing every day for a short period of time makes it a part of my regular life, Yeah. which is, I think, generated a certain amount of, uh, attentiveness to my writing, which has opened up my career. Yeah. So, and plus the bonus is I've become a better writer. So I thought, you know, with acting, I might as well apply the same strategy, put yeah. in half an hour every day, just as a minimum, I can always do more, but put in, you know, half an hour every single day and basically, you know, work on this in some way or another to, to basically build my ability. And it'll make it a, it'll make it uh, something I'm attentive to, which is really what I'm focused on. So I kind of created a list and I said, okay, well for half an hour, you're going to, and I'm not going to, I'm going to just be mindful not to do the same exercise every single day. But one might just be, you memorize a monologue. I'll memorize a monologue or I'll memorize some lines or I'll read a play or I'll do an acting class or I'll work on an audition. Um, you know, I have a bunch of, a bunch of things that I've listed out, but something I'll work on my voices you know, or my accents or, you know, or just run lines with somebody, whatever, like all these things that, you know, need to get, need to get done, which keep me sharp, you Mm -hmm. know, like read something out loud or something. Yeah. Read something out loud is another one of them as well. Yeah. So, um, just basics, little things. And, and, you know, and I think, and I thought about it and I'm like, you know, why, like if I want to be really great at this, if I really want to succeed at this, if I really want to make, give it, give it a shot, give it a real go. Yeah which I feel like, I feel like I've given it a go. I've gotten my career to a certain point. I mean, I've been on televisions. I've worked with, you know, uh, movie stars. I've worked with some, you know, some people I've done like network television. I've done that. That's like a certain kind of, you know, I hit a certain milestone in my career and I'm Mm -hmm. glad I achieved that. But now I'm like, okay, well, would I be willing to push myself to the point where I could say, be the lead of a play or the lead of a movie and not like, I know I can do that right now, but could I do that and actually move and impact the audience in a really powerful way? Yeah. Which is, you know, 
I think some people might have that career where they are the lead of plays and television, but you know, their work doesn't necessarily stand out or isn't all that memorable. Yeah. You know, that's, it's great that you booked the lead role. It's great that you did all that. But like, I think what we, if we boil it all down, at least for me, it comes down to like, could I do something that will really actually make an impact in the world? Mm -hmm. Even if it's just with one person, you know what I mean? And I think that that's kind of where I'm aspiring to now. Yeah. And I think that the benefits, the commercial benefits will come out of it. The industry benefits will come out of really practicing my artistry and in acting. Yeah. And to, and to be doing work that inspires you. Right. As well, not just somebody else, but to be doing work that inspires you, I think is, is super important in, in that whole equation as well, which I think gets overlooked. Yeah. A lot. And I mean, and yeah, I mean, being, being a lead, like that was one of those things that when I was younger, I, I used to fantasize a lot about, you know, it's like, yeah, I'll be the lead. Right. And, <laughs> and, you know, when you think about, especially for like major television series or feature films where there's a lot of money involved in it. Um, you know, I, I remember reading an interview from Russell Crowe talking about this and, you know, people having this sort of misconception of it's like, Oh, you know, it must just be, you know, an absolute blast. And he says, you know, it's not that he doesn't enjoy doing the work that he does. He's like, but he's like, there's a $75 million freight train and I'm behind the fucking wheel. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, are you, it's like between like him and like the director. Yeah. You know, and then there's a level of the production too that, that is involved with that too. But yeah, you know, there's that's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of responsibility and there's a lot of expectations that are on you, you know, to, to deliver from outside of you, let alone, you know, someone like Russell Crowe, his own expectations of himself. Right. Um, and I know a lot of people say that he's like, he's difficult to work with. Um, but from what I understood, because he talked a little bit about that in this one interview saying, you know, part of the reason why that is, is because he has a, a, he's doing what he feels he has to do to maintain a level of integrity Mm. at the same time. You know, if like he sees some sort of a, you know, a product shot happening in like a crucial moment in, in the movie, he'll just be like, what the fuck is that? Right. He actually gets like, defensive. He he gets defensive about it. Oh, you know, he's like, get the, the hell out of here. Right. Right. Like we're going to just like be sneaking a product shot in here, like in the middle of like <laughs> this, like really intimate scene yeah, kind of thing. Like, or, but other things too, but he's, he's always just, um, he, he has a, he's uncompromising with certain things. And I think that has to do partially with, um, him doing what he has to do for himself right? as well. Yeah. That's, you know, it's, um, it's interesting. I mean, like there's, there's the idea of what you want, you know, and Mm -hmm. then there's the reality of what it means to actually do and, and, and get what you want, you know, like there's a, uh, Jack Canfield writes in his book. And I mentioned this, I think on an earlier podcast, way, way in the beginning, but he talks about this thing about, um, I've heard that name before. Who's, who's Jack Jack Canfield. Canfield, 
uh, was the guy who created Chicken Soup for the Soul. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's a really intelligent guy and also um, a great, like, personal development success mentor type of person. And he's written several books. Um, One of his books, I think, is called The Success Principles. And I think it has 50-something in there. Great read. Highly recommend it. In fact, I, you know, I often think it's time to pick that one up and read it again. Right. And it's one of those books that if you literally did the practices, he suggests, you'll notice monumental results. It just takes a certain amount of discipline to do the practices, but they Mm -hmm. work. Absolutely. I've been applying them. Um, I would say that it's just a matter of me getting fully committed to applying every single one of them all the time on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. But he has this one, uh, one principle where he talks about, you know, maybe you want a big yacht, you know, maybe you want this big boat, right? And you have this vision of you like, and your friends out on the water partying and your boat and you're doing this. And he's like, that's great. It's awesome. But like, do you know what it takes to actually dock that boat to maintain it? You might have to get, if it's big enough, you might have to actually get someone else to drive it. You know, all of these things, he puts all these things in here. He's like, the thing is, is that when you start figuring out what it would actually cost to have this boat, would you want to put that amount of money into having this boat? You know what I mean? To actually own it, to maintain it, to like whatever. And when you start to see what it actually takes to have the thing you want, you might change your relationship to how much you want it. Because I think there's, there's kind of like, when we think about being a movie star, for example, we think of all the benefits, but none of the costs, none of the the price. Mm -hmm. There's a price to it. I mean, there's a, you know, there's a, you gotta, you know, your fame is kind of, uh, equates to how much you're worth in a picture. So the more famous you are, the more of your, your privacy you're willing to give up, the more money you'll potentially make. Yeah. Not there's a confusion. People think, Oh, your ability equates to how much you get paid. Not necessarily. Often your fame actually equates to more because, um, side note, the reason why is that the more people they can guarantee will come see the picture because you're attached to it means they can spend more money on it means that they can spend more money on you essentially. So in some ways it's not the best actor that's worth the most, but the most famous actor. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, whatever. So let's say you want to be a movie star, which is like, I'm not talking about a great actor. I'm talking about a movie star. I'm talking about somebody who's famous. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a price, there's things you're going to have to give up. You're going to go out, you're going to get paparazzi. You're going to have things written about you in the paper that aren't true. You're going to have, uh, all sorts of things, public opinion, you know, um, you're not going to be able to go out to dinner without being asked for an autograph, things like this. Right. Plus then your, your whole career could just be totally, um, sunk in a, in one picture you could end up doing this really terrible movie, or maybe you do a couple movies in a row and all of a sudden nobody wants to hire you anymore. And now you're back to this kind of hustle in this weird way. Yeah. Uh, maybe you got to do some type of comeback, but anyway, the point is, is that, um, I think that there's sometimes we want things, but we don't realize like what it actually takes to have those things. And so it's, it's a good thing to kind of keep in perspective because you know, I think when I was younger, I used to think, Oh, like if I'm a movie star, everything will be great. It's like, yeah, no, no. Like you're going to just have you're gonna have the same problems. They're just like, you're going to have a lot of the same problems. You're going to have new problems. Maybe some of these other problems are going to go away, but the problems you thought were a big deal before you would wish to have them back for yeah. the problems you're about to have. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't want to tear apart anybody's dream, but like, it's a really good point for us to consider. Like, do you really yeah. want the yacht? Or 
do you maybe like want something like maybe you want a speedboat? Maybe you don't want the yacht. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You get the analogy. Which I know I'm yeah. all about <laughs> <laughs> the brand analogy, the brand allergy, yeah. the brand allergy. Yeah. We'll figure something out for yeah. that. Let's we'll come down. It. Yeah. We'll, we'll finalize <laughs> the details on that. Yeah. I, I agree. But I think, uh, in terms of bringing this back, I mean, in terms of, you know, talking about these things with like fame and, and whatever. I, I think that a lot of it and with what you're, you're saying too, in, in terms of recommitting to, um, recommitting to your craft and, and acting and creating a, a practice for it, a daily practice of doing it. And it's, it's about feeling good about your work, mm. you know, because you're the only one who ultimately can really feel good about it at the end. Nobody else can make you feel because I mean, I've been down that road before where it's like, I don't feel good about the work that I'm, that I've done, but I have other people saying, it's like, no, it was great. And I'm just like, ah, they're just, they're just being nice. Right. You know, they're just like, they're just, it's just placating me, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it doesn't mean that people are actually placating you, but it just means like, if you don't feel good about your own work, that's something that's on you. And it's always something that's on you. Mm. Only, you know, what's good enough for you. And I think that's where having a healthy mentality and also a good work ethic towards, towards your art, um, comes into play. Yeah. You know, um, I was thinking about this, uh, the other day is like, um, there's a saying, if you live for people's approval, you'll die by their rejection. Mm. And, um, you know, I think for me, part of my hiatus, I'd say with acting, I mean, it wasn't a full hiatus necessarily. Um, but it was like kind of, uh, I'm on the fringes here, like kind of debating what I want to do with this thing. Um, was I had this stark realization that, um, I mean, I don't know, like it's, it's anything's possible, but I have this stark realization that I may not, and probably never will be based on just kind of the whole odds and the scheme of things, never be a movie star. I'll never be super famous and I'll never like be a household name as an actor. That this is just something that I might have to accept as a part of my life. Now it could happen, but the thing is, is that I kind of confronted that and, and it really made me look at my acting. Like, why am I an actor? Like, why do I do the acting? And I think that I had, you know, I was telling myself that I was doing the acting because I love the acting and I did love the acting, but I think a lot of my motivation was derived more from what acting could do for me, what I could get from acting, who I could become with acting as opposed to doing the acting and enjoying the process and, and, and enjoying the fact that my work mattered to me and and some other people, you know? Um, and so this, this realization was kind of like, you know, it confronted my ego. It confronted my idea of like, why I do this? What's the point, you know? And also like, you know, people can say like, Oh, never give up. You know, people who give up are like weak, but it's, it's not about that. It's 
like if you want to be an actor, like anybody who chooses to be an actor, especially a lifelong actor, like kudos to you, like absolute total 100% respect. Like if you figure out how to maintain your acting career, you know, into your later part of your life, into your thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, if you can do that, then I'm, I'm totally proud of, of, of you. I think you've done an amazing thing because actors, um, you know, we put so much to the side to do this thing that we love. I mean, we will literally like live paycheck to paycheck for a long period of our life. We won't be stockpiling money away. We'll, um, you know, we don't know if the money's coming in, you know, our career and our, our face and our person is, is put on display for everybody else to talk about. And sometimes they're going to speak very highly of it. And sometimes they're not, We're, we're dealing with an industry, even within itself, that there's just these superficial people who are going to, you know, and I don't, I don't think I know a professional actor who has avoided it yet where you avoid someone talking behind your back, slamming you, doing something like, you know, it's, it's all a part of the game, you know, it's all part of this life. And so the thing is, if you can hang on to the thing that you love and, 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 and keep doing that, then that's great. And I think if you, if you do acting early on in life and then at some point you stop, kudos to you too, because it's a hard thing to walk away when you really love it as well. Yeah. But like that might be the better choice for you maybe you decided, Hey, you know what? I actually value like getting a house, getting a family, maybe doing some more traveling. You know, these questions in my life, part of the reason why I put acting on hiatus was because I wanted to look at my life and reevaluate like what I wanted to do with acting. It wasn't like, I would always love acting. That was never in question, but like how I do acting and what acting means to me and, and how it how I participated in my life was really yeah. the question. If, if you can't walk away from it because you're afraid of walking away from it, you know, that's sometimes a good time to take a step back. Right. Right. When it just becomes, you're just doing it because you're afraid to not do it. Right. And I don't think that's very good. I don't that's, think that's very fulfilling. No, no. And, and that doesn't mean that you don't ultimately want to, to do it, but I mean, we've talked about this before, this whole concept until that you've claimed your power to say no to something, you can never really claim your power to say yes to something. It's about being able to make real fucking choices in your life. Yeah. And if you can't say no to acting just because you're, you're terrified by the idea you've identified, this is usually where, where it comes down to. You've identified yourself so much as being this actor as this, it's this thing that makes you special. Mm. It's this thing that, you know, makes you who you are. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's something that you do. Yeah. It's something that you choose to do. And sometimes it can be painful and it can be joyous. Um, but if you are just doing it because it's this thing you identify with and you just like, I don't know what I would be without it. Maybe you should actually take a step back And that's, I think with any art form or any occupation that you're doing, if you're in a place where you're just literally just afraid to, to not do it, that's a good sign that maybe you should take a step back. I think so. Because it's like, well, well then, so what are you doing then? How are you making your decisions in your life? Right. You're making your decisions out of fear. Yeah. 
Well, and you know, and you can't create that way. We no. can, we've talked about that a lot on the on the shows. Like you can't really create from a place of fear, not freely. No, fear. I mean, your your entire potential will be limited by fear. I mean, look, like when I was I started acting when I was seventeen years old, and I promised myself, and I saw so many people start quitting around twenty six, twenty seven, and I promised myself that I wouldn't. I promised myself. I said, no matter what, no matter where you are in life, don't do it. And, you know, right around that age, you know, and it, and I started to look at it and I went, I see why people do. I see why people walk away right now. Yeah. I got there and I was so judgmental about it. At first it was just a big battle, you know, mm-hmm. and it was, it was an interesting battle because it was like, I was righteous and my, like, I'm st- staying the course, you know, but at the same time I was like, yeah, but there's other things that I want to do. There's, you know, I want to travel. I want to do certain things and, you know, um, kind of living this, living this life where I'm not really like, and I, and you know what? The other thing too, is I trained really hard as an actor, but I educated myself in life outside of acting. I learned psychology. I learned business. I learned all sorts of stuff. I was learning all the time. I had a lot of skills. I mean, I could make money in many different ways. Yeah. And so, you know, I think actors don't realize how much potential they have. Like, you know, if you, if, if you're an actor who's just been drifting by partying and you're not really acting, you're just kind of like living the actor life, then maybe you haven't really built some skills. But if you've been out working your dialect, doing your breathing, going to classes, you know, practicing, reading books, doing all this stuff, which I had been, I mean, you have many, I had many skills that are transferable today that were, I didn't even realize I had, um, you know, and actually side note, I remember hanging out with one actor, um, who's done very well for himself, but he used to just learn special skills. He'd be like, this is a special skill I'm learning this month. So one of his special skills one month was how to spin a gun around, just how to like, you know, do the whole cowboy thing, you know, right. Got really good at it. I was like, you just went out and learned that. I was like, that's awesome. But that's like what actors will do. We'll go out and we'll learn weird little skills. And like, it's not even that that skill is transferable necessarily to a lot of business or whatever, (laughs) but the fact that he would go and build the discipline to go and learn something that he didn't have to just because he wanted to, because he thought one day this might come in handy to me that's a sign of someone who's going to succeed at life. And so like, um, I kind of hit this point where I kind of went, okay, well, if I do continue with acting, like the other thing too, is like my walking away from acting wasn't like, um, wasn't like I said, I quit, I'm done, you know? And I don't think anybody does. Like the other, the other realization I had is that I think it's very rare that people go, I quit. I'm done acting. Like there might be a point where some people just hit it and they're fed up and they're done. They're just jaded and it's over. But like most people don't burn out, like they drift away very slowly. And so when I took my hiatus, I saw myself just slowly kind of drifting away, just drifting away every day, a little farther, a little farther, a little farther. And then looking back and go like, holy shit, it's been a while, you know? And, um, now I'm kind of at a point in my life where you know, I realized it's like, okay, you can walk away. It's all good. Like I've kind of had enough distance from it. I went, what do I really want? You know? And I decided to to go back at it, but go back at a hundred percent, but not from the place of like, it needs to be a certain way. I need to get to a certain place more from the place of like, you know, 
I'm going to reclaim this on my own terms because in my early years, it was, I felt maybe not so, it was probably on my terms technically, but it wasn't really on my terms. It was more on what I thought I was supposed to do as an actor. I'd say when I started acting and I knew nothing, I was just so happy to be there. I just felt so lucky to be a part of it. Yeah. But then there was a certain point after a few years of being in it where it started to become, I don't know, like you had to start booking stuff. You had to start kind of like, I don't know, you had to be getting somewhere. And if you weren't somehow it wasn't, it wasn't okay. Mm -hmm. But my first few years were probably my most joyous years. And I thought I want to reclaim those years. That was, those were the years where acting was its purest. It was like when I started and I felt just lucky to be a part of it and be there. But now what's beautiful is I have all this life wisdom and all this education behind me. It's, you know, and all these contacts and, you know, I'm affiliated with other parts of the industry as well. It's not like I'm starting like with, with nothing. I'm not like starting from zero. Yeah. Right. So it's a little bit easier. I mean, you know, I can literally just get some people together and make a film at any point. Right. It's, it's, you know, when I started, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. You know, Mm -hmm. I have a resume behind me now. I can get into rooms. I couldn't get into rooms when I started. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so anyway, the, the, the point is, is that I think if you can walk away from acting, even for a short period of time, it could be the best thing you ever do. Leonardo DiCaprio did that. Apparently walked away for three years, had a, had a hiatus. I mean, always remember that. Yeah. He came back and now he's Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. he was great when he started, but like the work he did after that break, yeah. like, oh, I yeah. mean, it's the stuff that we, we, you know, we're like Oscar. Why doesn't get an Oscar? Why doesn't get an Oscar? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Claire Danes was the same. She walked right. away from it from, she was, you know, she had done, she was so young when, with Leo, right. She did Romeo and Juliet and she was into, and she decided to go and go to school. Right. And just completely walked away from, from the whole acting. And now it's like, if you see her in, in home, Homeland. homeland, incredible. She's unreal in that. I think she's won a, she won a couple of Emmys for that, for her performance. Just a couple, just a couple. (laughs) Um, but I mean, I, I think that there really is, there's something to it. It's when you realize that you, that you don't actually need it. It's an extraordinarily empowering thing. When you say, I don't need to be this. I don't need to do this if I just decide not to do this, I will be fine. Yeah. And then you can look at it from, with like almost fresh eyes and say, okay, so if I'm going to continue to do this, then how do I want to do this? And suddenly there's this whole new world that's available to you. It's, it's a, it's a really a strange sensation because I, I feel the same way in, in a lot of respects to your story that like I dropped back into a degree. I feel like I've still dropped back in some ways just because I've, I felt a, a stronger burning desire for some of the other things that I'm doing right now, which are all still related to acting. Yeah. When I think of like, what's the most sort of burning for me, which is like, well, I have this book and, and I, and I want to be teaching actors. I want to be engaging actors in a new kind of conversation. And, and I still like, I feel that, that, that push for acting it's still in there. It's still behind it, but there's, there's these other things that I'm like, no, this is really what 
is pulling me right now. Hmm. However, in the, in the opportunities I've had to act within this step that I, I took back from it, uh, has been some of the, the most extraordinary experiences of acting I've, I've ever had. Yeah. Um, more so than when I was like fully like immersed in everything and just like jumping from class to class to class to class. And I want to say this, I, I don't want to say don't take, don't take classes if you're an actor or if you're any kind of an artist, whatever classes are great. Um, but know that also it can reach a certain point where, uh, classes can become a crutch. Yeah. Um, just something to, just something to think about because you can, you can just bounce from class to class to class to class and it just becomes this safety net for yourself to not put yourself out there. Mm. Um, but anyhow, I've been in that place of taking everything that I could think of to try and get, to try and get that edge and, you know, trying to get myself out there and, and, and wanting it so bad and being so hungry and being miserable, um, because of it, of the whole thing. And, and it was, uh, absolutely to do with, with this kind of identification and this idea that I had of what I was supposed to be as an actor Hmm. and what that was all supposed to look like. And, and then taking a step back and, and learning that didn't have to be this way that I had thought it had to be. And I didn't need to go about it the way that I'd been going about it. And that there is a different way to, to, to pursue this thing. And in, in more ways than one, like both from an industry standpoint of how I want to engage with the industry, the kinds of stuff that I want to go out for, that I don't want to go out for, um, establishing those boundaries for myself. Hmm. Uh, and then also opening up all kinds of new freedoms for myself at the same time. Yeah. Right. And it's, and, and rediscovering, um, a more childlike joy that I felt that I had lost in this very, you know, focused, um, tunnel visioned, you know, that's, that's maybe the best way I can describe it. It was like, there was a point where it was like, it was just tunnel vision about my acting career. Yeah. It was just like, no, like I've just like, I've got to get there. I've got a book. I've got a book. I've got a book. I've got a book. And then I've got to, once I've booked these things, then I've got to push and then I've got to push and then I've got to get into the rooms with these people. And like, you know, that's all great. And some people actually really thrive in that kind of thing. Some people really enjoy it. I was not enjoying it. You know, yeah, you know, uh, I, I want to jump in and, and say like with acting classes, I think it's important to be in acting class and to be on a regular basis working and, and staying sharp and testing yourself out. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, you know, part of the benefit of acting class is one is that you're getting up, you're putting yourself in front of an audience regardless of the feedback or any of that stuff, you're getting the practice of getting up and, and doing it. And like, you know, the, I think the, the hardest part about the hiatus that I took was like not getting up regularly in front of people. Um, mm-hmm. there's something about that, which is, I think very valuable. The, the, um, 
the advice you get from teachers, I think you need to always take that with a grain of salt. I think teachers always mean well, and they're always giving you what they believe to be a good thing. But like, um, you know, sometimes there's like, like I've been with all sorts of teachers and I think that teachers are always able, like if, if, if a teacher ever pretends that they're like, I can give you everything, then they're, they're out of their mind. Yeah. I mean, they never will. Like no, but no one person is ever going to give you everything. There is no acting guru, you know, even if you worked with like, um, you know, just name it. Like it doesn't matter. Name the most famous actor in the world, like, and all of them. And even if you work mm. with any of them, they're not going to give you everything because you're your own thing. You're this totally unique instrument that nobody knows how to play, not even you. And that's what we're all trying to figure out. Yeah. You know, and you're trying to really figure out how do you, how do you do that? And I think like, there's certain acting teachers who specialize in like really gritty acting. Like they, they're like every role they give to the women is like this prostitute drug addict, you know? And like every yeah. guy is like this, just like this hardened edgy dude. Right. And it's like, yeah. that's a certain kind of acting, you know? And, and if you only open your acting career to that, you know, some people might be quite prolific at that type of gritty acting. That's their, that's where they, tend to really succeed. Other actors tend to succeed more on, you know, uh, uh, maybe a lighter side, like a comedic side, maybe, uh, maybe it's more almost dare I say like Disney or something, you know, it's, okay, it's yeah, maybe, yeah. you know, whatever. But like the thing is, is that it's not that, you know, it's maybe it's, maybe it's more like rom-com, uh, dramedy, right. Mm-hmm. And maybe it doesn't require such grit, you know, whereas like another actor is going to do really well, just like writers. It's the same thing. If I've learned anything about writing, it's like, I'm a good writer in certain areas. I'm much better than I am in other areas. I'm, I, I just have a more acute ability in that area. It's more of an interest to me. I don't know. Like I, I will just flourish a little more there. Like one thing I've been realizing and I've been really like, it's been hitting me in the face more and more is like I have a very like emotionally focused writing, you know, and I'm realizing that sometimes it's too biased on the emotion. Like I'm trying Mm. to go too much towards like make it emotional, make it emotional. Right. And not that that's bad. It's fine. Like I can, I can see stuff that's emotional opportunities that a lot of people aren't able to. But what I'm realizing is like, um, I have friends and mentors and people that can help give me perspective to not be so emo about my writing. Right. (laughs) Also, the other thing too, is like, um, you actually think like, like my comedy, one of the struggles I had early on was like, when I first started writing comedy, I was very, I'd say almost gregarious. Like I would go all out. It would be kind of a little crazy. Yeah. And that was really funny. And then I kind of learned this soft burn type of writing, slow burn type of writing, you know, where it's kind of like you giggle and you smile, but you don't really laugh out loud. Yeah. And so, like that slow burn, I was realizing it's, it's, it's good for like a dramedy, but not so great for if you want to write a full out comedy, you need to like let loose a little more. And so like, I think as an actor, it's the same way. Sometimes you're going to need to learn how to use more of your body. Like you're going to need to learn how to be a little bigger, maybe larger than life and be able to exist as though that's real for you. Mm-hmm. Whereas like sometimes in, in other roles, the demand is you almost need to do nothing but feel just be full in your emotion. And you almost physically do zero, but like 
it's so acute, the emotion in you that like, we don't need anything other than your eyes. Yeah. You know? And like, I think that like, there's no one size fits all. And that's what makes this writing or acting or probably filmmaking too, which makes this so interesting is that we don't, we don't like every project is not the same. Yeah. So like, you know, your acting teachers, um, unless they've become like masters of every genre or writing teachers or filmmaking teachers, they can't give you all the answers. And I just don't think anybody can, Yeah. you know, and and some of the best lessons you're going to learn are going to be on set doing the thing. They're not going to be in class and no class will ever prepare you for what you're about to face. Yeah. And that's awesome. But I think like there's this, sometimes this mentality of like, I have to get it all right. I have to figure it all out before I do this. Not necessarily, you know? So, uh, you know, I was going to say on class is like, just take class with a grain of salt. It's, it's, it's helping push you in an area. It's getting you up in front of people. You're learning some new perspectives and you're making some great contacts. Yeah. But like, it's not the end all be all. It's not the answer, you know? And like, I, I met a, uh, an actor very early on in my career and he did, he was doing very well. Um, but he told me, he said, I, I only stay in an acting class for three months and then I move to a new one. He's like, you never want to get too comfortable. Yeah. I didn't really understand that at the time, but now I agree with him in a lot of ways. I can see, I can see the benefits of that because what he was doing was he was getting a lot of different perspectives. And then through that, he was beginning to kind of construct his own perspective on how all this works. Right. And I think that you might, who he is as an actor. Right. And then eventually he comes back to a teacher that he really found a fit with, but he comes back with all the other perspective. Right. As opposed to like, you stay in one class and you only have one class experience and then you start to get in the bubble of that class. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, one thing, um, especially, I think it's with any teacher. Um, but well, since we're on the acting train here, and this is what we have uh, a lot of experience <laughs> with, but you take a lot of what a teacher says as like, as truth yeah, all the time. And that's a mistake. I mean, listen to the teachers that you're working with, be open to what they're, they're telling you. But I discovered, you know, years, years later <laughs> that a lot of what some of my teachers had been doing with me when I thought that they were teaching me or they're telling you how things are and what the truth is of this situation. This is what this is about, you know, and, and you go, Oh, okay. And then you realize later, it's like, no, that wasn't a truth. That was subjective. What they were telling me, they were actually being more directors than a teacher. Um, and I think that especially within acting is when you find a teacher who can acknowledge that they're directing you like vocally, as opposed to teaching you is really important. I think there's only one teacher who I've no, maybe two teachers who I've ever worked with who were able to say, it's just like, this is just direction. Like, this is not me saying this is how this is supposed to be done mm. or that this is how it's done. Like, this is me just saying, try something like this with it or take it in, in this direction. But I've worked with teachers. They would give you direction like it was, like it was gospel. Right. Like it's the way, like, this is the way, no, this is like, you know, this scene is about this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you just go, Oh, okay. Right. And then you feel like you've done something wrong. And then there's like, and you start going about your work 
on a broader sense, like there's this way that you do it. Mm. Which you know, is, yeah. it's, it's interesting. Uh, you raise a good point. I mean, I've had a few teachers that, um, have been, have directed like gospel and I've had a few that have um, been like, okay, now I'm going to give you a direction. Um, and like, you know, not sometimes I've, I, and one teacher who called themselves out on giving a direction, but sometimes they give a direction and didn't realize they were giving a direction. Like they were kind of fuzzy on it themselves. Yeah. But like, uh, I think like it's, it's interesting, like a direction, um, from a director point of view is like, I have a vision for how this should be done. I have a vision for, how I want this picture to come together. Yeah. So that's why you give direction because you're trying to keep everybody on course on the same, you know, on the same thread, right? You're, you you do not want someone like doing a whole different genre style. And then everyone else is like, it, it just will be, it'll stick out like a sore thumb. It won't work. It won't fit. It yeah. won't hit the model. Um, I think when an acting teacher does it, the goal is not so much to achieve their vision, which weirdly enough, I think some acting teachers actually try to achieve their vision of the scene. They get you to do it through their vision of it, yeah. which as if they were playing the part themselves yeah, or whatever. Right. It's, and I think it's okay if you like, actually, I think it'd be fine if, if you were in a class where it's like, okay, well this teacher has a vision of this scene and we're going to do the vision as though they're the director because it's giving yeah. me practice on set. Cause I think you, I think, you know, you can benefit as an actor by learning how to take direction. Oh yeah, absolutely. I've worked with actors that can't take direction and I'll tell you actors who can take direction and are adaptive and flexible and you know, they're much better to work with than people who can't take direction. I don't like they, they become egotistical about it or something where, you know, it's like, no, look like it's, it's a lighting thing. It's a technical thing. It has nothing to do with anything. It's like, we just need to get this shot because we can't cut it unless we get this shot. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and like, I think actors can benefit at least in the film world of understanding a little bit about how this works and like, understand that, you know, like a vision, uh, a, a, a director will come on as a visionary and they'll try and sculpt a certain thing. And hopefully you want them to have a strong vision. You want them to have a vision because like that will make it dynamic and interesting. Like that will make it unique. If the director comes on with no vision, you're going to get probably a generic kind of thing. I think with the, the acting teacher giving you direction, it's more, not so much about them achieving their vision, but them giving you an option that you didn't know you had. Like, mm-hmm. why don't you try it this way? Like, just try it, see what happens. Let's, you know, yeah. and you explore and you go, not that this is the right way to do it, but try it out. And like, I think when actors get too caught up in like, this is the right way and that's the wrong way you've totally shot yourself in the foot Mm -hmm. because like every single scene could go two ways. You know, you could take it and you can go like, imagine everything is like just kind of super serious, super like intense and like dark and gritty and light it that way and do all that. And you can make it look a certain way, or you can light it really bright and you can make it a little lighter. And like, you know, you can, you can just change the way it's shot and it will totally change the whole feel and dynamic, add different music, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so like, I think it's in, it's as an actor, you know, sometimes you're close enough to the director and the, and the development team to understand what the vision is. And sometimes you're a day player and you don't. And when you're a day player and you don't, you know, I think you, you, you take the direction going, okay, I am trying to interpret what their vision is. If they won't tell me directly or they can't, or they don't have time, I'm trying to, you know, 
do what I can as honestly as I can, but within the direction of the, within the direction of the director, because I, I believe that they have enough of a vision to keep me on track, but I just have to do my job as long as I'm on the track that they need me to be on. Yeah. And so like, you know, it's, it's different things for, you know, there's no one, one size fits all is basically what I'm saying. Yeah. Long and the short of it. Yeah. <laughs> Much more long. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. How, what do you think of this beer? I really like this beer. Yeah. You're a fan huh? that you've um, picked up here. It's, uh, this re-wet my whistle here. <laughs> it's got like, it's got a slight hop to it, but I don't think this is an IPA. I, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's, hmm. <laughs> uh. If it's an IPA, it's a really, it's a really soft one. Hmm. Um, otherwise I'd say it could be like an ISA or could just be like a, a pale ale of some kind, but, uh, it's really well rounded. Like it's just, it's refreshing, but it's rich and it's crisp and it's, it's really a little kind of, yeah, hey. it's kind of, it's kind of got a bit of a citrus to it as well. One thing I noticed I about it. it is, um, maybe it's cause I had a, another beer earlier today, but I just noticed how smooth it is. It's not like, uh, it's almost, I don't know. Like sometimes beers are like super bubbly, you know? Yeah. Um, this is, um, very sessionable though. Sessionable. As they say in the beer, the beer world. <laughs> so this one is from Parkside Brewery and it's called the Dusk Pale Ale. Oh, okay. So you're right on the pale ale ultimately. Um, yeah. Uh, so they're in Port Moody. Um, hmm. if you want to know the address, which I'll just read up for the audience, if you care, this is, um, in Canada, in BC, British Columbia, it's 2731 Murray street, Port Moody, BC, the Parkside Brewery. Their, uh, their craft beer scene out in Port Moody has been exploding. Totally. I've been told like they've, they've actually got like their own little mini brewery district, uh, out there where it's like, they're all like, there's a bunch of like little craft brewers all within a, and I mean, for people, if you're listening to this and like, you've never been, (laughs) you don't know Port Moody, BC, which most people, if if you don't live in the greater Vancouver area, there's no reason why you would know anything about Port Moody. (laughs) Um, but it's, it's, it's a small kind of a place. Like it's, it's a city, but it's yeah. kind of a, it's, it's kind of got a small town. It, it's a, they call it a city. It's a tri city, right? It's one of the, yeah. One of the tri cities. Yeah. yeah. It's Port Moody, Coquitlam, Port Coquitlam. Mm-hmm. But you know what, what your point is though, is like, you're right. They are growing and they're expanding and there's becoming this little community of uh, craft beer drinkers. But I think this is a sign for the future in, in many other States and cities is that craft beer has been growing. It's been expanding in a huge way. Um, and you know, you might start to find out that there's lots of little craft breweries in your local neighborhood Yeah, and you can start to see that there's, it's a neat community to be involved in regardless of where it is. We just happen to be in Vancouver, Canada. So, you know, we tend to drink a lot of local here, mm-hmm. but as we do the podcast more, and as you invite us over to your places in other States, we'll do craft beers over there as well. But, um, 
Yeah. I, I really like yeah. their marketing of this particular can. They have a few cans mm-hmm. that got these really neat designs. Um, yeah, you know, I think, uh, presentation is key. Yeah. But it's good beer. It's, it's really good. It's definitely a very, Top yeah, up. Like definitely a very true, I would say like a West coast style pale ale. It's, it's really good. I like, I could easily, I mean, especially on like a sunny day, like today, sunny spring day <laughs> or in the summer as well. Yeah. Like you could just, you could just put these back, like enjoy it. It's nice and refreshing, but also you get something, something yummy to, to taste to actually taste <laughs> yeah. in it. So this is, um, I think this might be one of definitely one of my favorites in recent, recent memory. Cool. For well, sure. I never did a taste test before. I just, uh, you know, it was one of those ones I've been eyeing up and I was like, you just took a chance, took a chance, took a shot. Um, sometimes that's what you just got to do. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Um, yeah, well, let's get back to this, uh, acting, shall we? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I think, I think as an actor, like, you know, one of the, like, it's weird. Like you mostly just need to relax and settle and, and just get, you know, really like the only thing that you can really control is how truthful and honest and authentic you're being all the techniques, all the other stuff. They're like, nice little additives, maybe like they can, can kind of like figure out how they work within your truth and authenticity. But like, I think sometimes you get actors actually probably more than sometimes actors are trying to find this next technique, trying to find this way, this, this trick, this cutting edge yeah. to like, I'm going to beat the system. And like, yeah. you can't beat it until you start getting truthful and, and honest and like get a leg up on the competition somehow. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, and, yeah. and I think that the other thing too, is like get truthful and honest and like, just settle in and like, be, like learn to be okay with just saying some lines, like, like without anything on them, just learn to be comfortable, just talking like period, you know, and then, you know, then you can start to deepen your emotion, you know, start to get more connected to how do I really feel in this moment? Like, even if at first I, well, I would almost say to an actor, and I'd say Meisner is a great thing to do. It might be almost like, you might not understand how valuable it is initially, but like, I would say this to actors. If I could tell myself at 17, starting over again, I would say, look, I want you to just practice saying the line without anything on it. Just say it, just say it to the other person, have them say the other line back. And then you say another thing. Don't try and do anything. Just say it back to them. Then you say it back. Even if you're changing lines, it doesn't really matter. Just, just, talk back and forth and it will seem like you're doing nothing. It'll seem effortless. Yeah. It'll seem, you know, and you won't believe that that is probably the most valuable thing you could do. Yeah. And then as you get more experience and as you get better, you'll be able to layer it and, and enhance it and get deeper into yourself to bring out more. But like, I think actors are so ready to try and like dig in and get something and like make it this thing. Yeah. And they have this idea that you just mess it all up. You know, it's really a, putting a bunch of shit on. Yeah. You know, it really is putting a bunch of shit on. Um, even when you're, you know, quote unquote, digging deep, oftentimes it's like, you know, you're, you're still just putting some shit on some shit on of what you, th- what you think 
is supposed to happen. Right. You know, or what you think in your head that this looks like and how this is all going to go down in your head. Is and a it's liar. Like in your head. Yeah. It's all in your head. <laughs> and it's ultimately meaning. <laughs> it's ultimately meaningless in the face of somebody else, a scene partner looking at you. Yeah. You just don't know what's going to happen. I mean, and the thing is, is like, it's so weird because like, like I had to almost like, I did everything wrong. <laughs> you know, I just did everything wrong as an actor. I tried so hard. It mattered so much to me. I was so That's valuable though. Oh yeah. No, Learning I, how to do it wrong is super valuable. I agree. And I don't regret <laughs> it at all. It, for me, it was what I needed, you know, and I, uh, I didn't necessarily have, uh, or know where to go to get the type of information that might've expediated the process for me to work through some of the stuff I had to work through. But, you know, I think if you, you know, I, I, I don't think like, I think if you can do it all wrong and then have the humility to go, shit, I did it all wrong. I did it not all wrong, but I just did it like all like backwards. Like, yeah, it's like, you know, uh, that saying like, don't put the cart ahead of the horse kind of idea. Yeah. Like there's a lot of ways in which I just, I'm not saying that it's, it's, you can't do it. You kind of get through it. You can get the horses to push the cart, Yeah. but like, it's much easier if they pull it, you know what I'm saying? But it's like a lot of things where I put the cart ahead of the horse. You know, I just like, I'm trying to do something without really building the, the, the the foundation to be able to do it, you know? Yeah. And it took me, that's, that's a perfect sort of analogy to put it. And because I think that that's a lot of how I don't think just in acting, but a lot of the arts in general, it's like, it, it is a case of putting the cart before the horse. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like, you're the horse. Like, <laughs> like, and you're trying to push this, this cart around. Yeah. It's, and you can't, front. you know, and it's it, like, and it's all over the place. It's like, it's all, crazy. Exactly. It's you're all, on the road for a little while, maybe. And then suddenly you're in the ditch and you don't know why and you don't know how to get out. That's, that's because you're not leading it. Exactly. You put it so well, you're yeah. not leading it. Hey, that's, that was you, man. That's well, no, you. But you tied it back in. You're not leading the thing. Like, and when you, when you make the, the technique more important than you, you mess it all up. The, 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 the cart is pulled by the horse. It's just how it works. You know, whatever, and there's you, a reason for it, your backstory of your character, you pull it in. It doesn't lead you in, you, it's yeah. a, you know, and if it doesn't come up, if it doesn't make it, as long as the horses make it into the room, that's really what matters. Like the, the, we, we think so much about like, all this stuff, you know, and that's not what matters. Like, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a funny little analogy, but it's really true. I mean, you know, that's why I say like literally just say lines to one another. Don't, don't do anything more than that. And what'll happen is if you trust that and you have enough faith in that, you'll start to find that things will come up. You you know, I, I remember I did a scene in a, in acting class. Um, and it was from, uh, uh, what's the play called? Uh, Oh man, it's a play about love. It's, um, (laughs) Pacino, uh, Pacino was in the movie with, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, not Scarface. That wasn't a love story. I'm pretty sure it was Michelle Pfeiffer. Anyway, it was, (laughs) anyway, uh, man, regardless, whatever. I I read the scene and as I read it, we just did a table read and I, and, and I was so connected to the work. I don't know what it was. It was the lines. They just all made sense to me. I, I, I never had read it before. I read it there. I hadn't even read the, I hadn't even read the play yet. I had just read the scene and emotionally I was just like there and it was 
super intense. And I remember the teacher going like, you guys are going to like fucking crush this scene. If you're already here, like, wow, like what's going on? And I was just like, I don't know. We just started reading the lines and everything like, like I wasn't trying to do anything. It just literally poured through me. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and that was a really kind of profound moment for me because I just realized how much it really is like just trust and faith, like just trust and faith. Like the writers have done so much work for you. Like, yeah, I mean, they're shitty writing. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But like, if you're like, okay, shitty writing is not going to give you as much of an advantage, but if you're reading plays, like what I'm talking about is like, and I think all actors should start with really great plays. They start with really great screenplays or really great plays, like really great stuff. Ideally stuff you haven't seen someone else do. And just say those lines and just say them because the writer has done so much work for you that you'll find out what it is to act through mm-hmm. osmosis of like saying their work. Yeah. Right? When you like you, you go to YouTube and watch actors try to do some scene from a play and you can watch them act so hard mm. and it's just so terrible. And you're just like, Oh man, I can't believe you put that online for everyone to see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it's not because they're a bad actor. It's because they're poorly trained. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. They're probably could be a great actor, but like they just don't, they, they're trying to, you can see their technique being spat at me. And I'm just like, ugh. you yeah. know what I mean? But like, it's weird. Cause you can like man that tried to write a book on it and he, he kind of had the right idea. Yeah. I, although I don't agree with everything he said, but he did have the right idea, which is just say the lines. Yeah. I think it goes he, further than that. Yeah. He, uh, he, he was uh, true and false, true and false. Yeah. Um, but David Matt, it's a good book. Yeah. It's a um, good book. Yeah. Uh, I, it, although it's just like within a, some circles of the acting community, it's like it, the equivalent of like Satan worship. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you did what you read that piece of shit. Um, well, but I mean, the, he, he makes, but he makes a point and to a degree, like, yeah, like I don't necessarily agree with everything. I think that there's an oversimplification to a degree to what he's talking about, but he provides the book provides a stark opposition to a great deal of the majority of acting training, especially at that time, you know, the stuff that was like, people were really celebrating, you know, and and that people were really training in and Mamet saw a problem. He saw a problem with actors and what was going on. And he said, it's like, what it's like actors are so, you know, basically this whole, this thing came out of actors are so self-involved while they're acting. They're not really connected to what's going on. They're just connected to some shit that's going on in their own heads. Mm -hmm. And they're playing a bunch of, you know, intentions and they're playing like, they're not, there's not a real aliveness that's happening between two people having an interaction. That's where it all came out of. And so he proposed something so far on the other side of it all to, I think probably he probably went as far as he did just to be that extreme, Hmm. just to be so like, because there needed to be, I think a a counterbalance to what was going on. I mean, I've, I talked to, um, you know, one of our, one of our old, um, teachers, Ted, Ted Whittle, who's one of my favorite acting teachers that we ever worked with. And, uh, 
he had brought up something interesting. I haven't looked into this personally, but he's quite involved with a lot of the, the performing arts community. Yeah. And he said that the, um, the London Academy of Dramatic Arts is developing a completely different program for, for actors, for how they like a main program for how they teach actors. They're keeping a conservatory component that you can go and take, but that's no longer necessarily the focal point anymore because there's an evolution that's happened. There's a thing about this whole conservatory style, Mm. which has been held in such high esteem. They're saying there's, there's something being lost here, Mm. you know, in terms of how, what's coming out from actors now. And if the London Academy of Dramatic Arts is stepping away from some of these old traditions, then I think that's, that's telling of, of some things that we've learned. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I know. You know, and I think like, I think that, you know, with all of these, with all of the teachers, I, I think they all bring interesting perspectives and dynamics, which has just made this whole thing very rich. I mean, Stanislavski with his whole concept of like living and experiencing the character, uh, Chekhov with his kind of getting into the physicalization pose, essentially mm-hmm. Mamet with like, just say the lines, um, you know, uh, you know, the, the whole s- concept of like, is it our imagination or is there a life experience that we're calling from? Mm-hmm. Um, Meisner bringing in just moment to moment repetition. You know, we have many different ways to like, look at this. And I think that, you know, after being in this, in this, uh, you know, business for as long as I have, I look at it and I go, well, I use a little from every one of those. Like every one of those, I use a little life experience. I use a little imagination. Yeah. I use a little moment to moment repetition. I use a little bit of just say the fucking line. I use, sometimes I use like, let's go walk around with the character and really try this out. And I do that not just as an actor, I do that as a writer Mm -hmm. and it works. Um, but like, I don't know if there's necessarily one part of it, but they're, but they're all committed to their perspectives. And I think like, we got to look at it too. I mean, acting went through an evolution, right? It went through, especially in the 1900s, it went through an evolution. And now we are the byproduct of much of this evolution. Plus not just acting teachers came along, but actors came along and they did it in a way that transformed our experience of what acting is. And, and not to mention just actors, but um, filmmakers came along and they shot things in a way or did things in a way that had never been done before. Yeah. And so we're in a, we're in a time where what everybody has come together to demonstrate is that this is far more expansive than we initially thought. Yeah. And so now we kind of have to go into this and, you know, we have to, and, and I think what we're also realizing is that we went through the industrial revolution, right? Where basically the world tried to make people into robots. It tried to make us all be able to do the same thing. Like the American dream was everybody has a house, a laundry machine, a fridge, a wife, a husband, kids, and a dog, and maybe a cat, yeah, a car, and, and brand a car. new car. And you got all that shit and good. And everybody, and, and they tried to put everybody into this little system. And what happened now, and we're seeing this so much in our, in our, in our generation because of the technology outburst that's been going on is that whoa, we're not, we're not fitting. And there's a repression that was going on. And like, it's much more expansive. And we aren't really just, um, paint by numbers. Like 
every person has a unique kind of thing about them. And the economy and and the world kind of goes, well, what do we do with all that? Well, let's just kind of try to keep everything in the same kind of positions, even though it's not all fitting. And so like as an actor, I think what's happening is you can't go into acting. Well, you can, but if you go into acting, trying to trying to fit, trying to be something like if you go, if I replicate this thing, or if I do this thing, right, you're, you're literally going to make yourself so like cheap that you're not worth hiring. What's yeah. going to make you really unique is you just owning you, which is this weird little unique thing that is you. And we don't know what it is. And you're like this, you're like this instrument that nobody knows how to play, doesn't know what kind of music can come out of it. Um, and you don't even know how to play and you don't know what kind of music can come out of it. Yeah. And yeah. And that, and that's just kind of what, what it is, you know? Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. yeah I think, um, and I think that to a degree that comes down to, uh, like this whole thing that we're, we're talking about, like, uh, right and, and wrong or like learning how to do it wrong. Yeah. One of the funny things to me when you said that was like, you know, the whole thing about learning how to do it wrong was that learning how to do it wrong came out of me trying to do it right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) By trying to do it right, I learned how to do it wrong. Well, um, I mean, I think that's the only thing that is wrong is trying to do it right. Yeah. That's probably the only thing that you could say is wrong is by trying to do it right. That's the only sure way to do it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And to like (laughs) learn this whole, uh, side of things as well. Like of, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll pick it up here in just, uh, in just a second. Oh, yeah, you're talking about like, you know, the, the things that, uh, that come out of you, right. Or like, who knows, like, where people don't know what's going to come out of you and to be in a place where you don't even know what's going to come out of you. Right. I yes. guess that's freaking awesome as well where you're just like, Oh shit. Yeah. I didn't plan on that. There's no plan, but like, and that surprised me. I love, I love surprising myself in my work. <laughs> like just in that, in, in a moment where it's just like, Nope, that wasn't planned. I hadn't thought of that. Mm-hmm. It happened and I figured out it was just because it was what was honest in the moment. Right. And those are, uh, to me, those are the, those are the moments that you, you kind of live for in your work. Yeah. Is those moments of absolute surprising of yourself? Because if you're surprised by what happened, the audience is completely surprised by what happened. That's kind of one of the weird things that I love about live performances like that. Um, which can happen, which can happen in acting, uh, when it's being done really well. Mm. Uh, and it can happen in certain musical forms as well. You know, like things like, um, like jazz or, or jam, a really great jam band or something. It's like where it's, you know, there is, yeah, there's a, there's a structure, you know, there's a flow to what's, what's happening. Like, like underneath it, it's like, okay, yeah. Like they're, they're playing in this key Mm. and they're playing around this one certain kind of melody. There's this one melody and then certain members of the, of the band, will go off and do this thing around it and oftentimes push what you can do on that melody. Sometimes they'll break it. Hmm. It's like you can, like, you're not supposed to, you know, 
go into this note. You're not supposed to go into these things because it's technically doesn't work, but then somehow it works. You know, it creates a, a, a feeling in the moment and it surprises them, you know, it's like, and it's all just by following where this is all going moment to moment to moment to moment. Mm. And it's a surprise. And that's, I think that's, that's where live performance in any sort to me just is so exciting is when there's, yeah. Yeah. Jazz is a, jazz is an interesting art form. I think that conceptually actors and writers or anybody or filmmakers could benefit from, you know, um, anybody who's done indie film understands somewhat of the jazz concept of like, okay, we're at this location, but we're, we've lost light or we're losing light or, um, we're at a location and they're kicking us out earlier than we expected. Or, you know, this prop that we're supposed to have is missing or, you know, whatever. I mean, it rained. I, I don't know, but like, the uh, indie filmmaking is funny because the environment doesn't always participate. Uh, you know, people don't always participate. The, just the, the whole like money doesn't always participate, you know, whatever. Those are some unforeseen things. Yeah. And so you just kind of adapt and you deal with it. And like, I've shared this before on other podcast episodes and I'll share it again. You know, there's one movie I made where we lost our location literally the day before. And it was too late to, you know, it was too late to really kind of like, um, come up with something else, you know, or, you know, whatever, but I had kind of a backup idea. Right. And, you know, I used to be, I basically, I used to go to university of British Columbia and, you know, one thing I found about the university of British Columbia, which, um, whether the admin administrative people agree with me or not, cause they probably don't, you'll find out that it's actually pretty film friendly. You can walk around, all the students will pretty much participate, help you out, at least in my experience. They're, they're, you know, the, the businesses are like, yeah, you want to film a movie? Like they're, they, UBC as a campus has been one of the most helpful filmmaking campuses I've ever been a part of. I don't know if other universities are like that, yeah. but like, I can tell you that University of British Columbia, that's one of my favorite things about it. Beautiful campus, beautiful location. And just kind of, a uh, a lot of people who, um, will really just kind of help you out to like make things happen. But anyway, we, we went to a local business and I said, look, you know, I lost our, we lost our location. We're trying to get it done today. Do you mind if we shoot outside? You know, we won't disturb. And they're like, yeah, sure. Of course we did the scene. And it was crazy because when we shot it, the sun was just coming down over the mountains yeah. and like, and we just got this long, long lens shot. It's like, I, I use this shot in like my demo reel because it's just such a good shot, you know? Mm. And it's just like one of those shots that like, you just like you strive for, but it never would have happened had we got the other cafe. And that's kind of the beauty of indie filmmaking. But like on the alternative, I've shot a scene where we lost the location because, you know, whatever nature, uh, it was basically just, we decided to call it and reshoot. And the second location wasn't as good. So it kind of goes, you know, sideways sometimes, sometimes it works in your favor, but you like, you learn how to adapt and how to get it done. Right. Yeah. And the worst thing I think you can do as an indie filmmaker is make excuses. You know, you're, you're best to just grin and bear it and, and, and be adaptive and and deal with what your options are. Um, but like, 
you know, acting's like that too. I mean, sometimes the moment's not going to go the way you think it should go. It's not going, you know, you're going to drop something or something's going to go wrong. Work with it. It might actually turn out better. You just don't know. It might turn out worse too, but you got to be open to either. Like people often share stories about, Oh, it didn't work out. And then it turned out way better. I mean, that happens every now and then sometimes it turns out way worse. It just like, it doesn't go right. And there's no, like, no one can tell you different, you know, but like, that's the liveness of it because life doesn't always go right, you know? And in a weird way, what you think didn't go right may have actually gone better. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? You just don't know. Yeah. And you won't know. And, and that's, and you know what? Like we do this crazy career. We do the arts. It's not a science. I mean, there is a science to it, but it's not all science. It's not all predictable. Yeah. There's variables. Um, and especially with emotion and acting, there's so many variables. I mean, you're dealing with other human beings who are feeling stuff they probably rarely feel. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen. It's yeah. fucking chaos out there, you know, <laughs> <laughs> especially like in a play, right? If people are really feeling and being truthful, so roll with it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's fun. I think like there's a book actually, it's called the alchemist. And I, I recommend anybody to read that book because you know, you see that sometimes you have to go a really great distance before you see that where you are is exactly where you need it to be. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes you have to go really far away and, and, and go through many trials and tribulations before you realize that you actually had it all right where you are, you know, right as you are. But like, that's kind of, uh, I think part of the actor's journey. It's weirdly enough. If you hang out long enough in this craft, you start to realize that like, you're like, shit, I already had it in the beginning. I just didn't know it, <laughs> yeah. know? but I couldn't see it because I needed to go and do this journey before I knew what I had. You know? yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I'll take this opportunity to, um, do my, one of my token misquotes, um, nice by somebody whose name I can't remember. And <laughs> <laughs> And it's, but basically the idea is like, and so we, and you don't even remember their quote. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But I remember the idea behind it all. And it, it goes something like, um, and so we, and so we arrive to the place where we began to know it for the first time. Mm. I wish I knew who said right. that. Yeah, it was. Well, like, you said it pretty well. I yeah, it was like that's not how exactly it went, but that was that that was a paraphrase of it. One of my better paraphrases of some of the quotes I've I've brought up on here. Um, but yeah. I always I, I there's there's so much there's so much truth to that because sometimes you've just got to go full circle. Yeah. To completely understand, you got to follow a thing all the way through you do. And, and to, to finally like, yeah. And, and I think that's almost where we, (laughs) this is how this podcast started in, in a lot of ways Mm. where we were talking about this whole thing on you coming back with force, like in acting and how taking a step away from that, both of us, you know, talking about that we took a step away from it and then coming back to this thing and knowing it for the first time. Yeah. That's kind of wild. It is kind of wild. You know, it's, it's, uh, I, 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 your quote in that book, the alchemist, the quote that you mentioned, I mean, that someone else said, who we don't know who said it. (laughs) (laughs) 
and the book that I got right, but I don't know the author, yeah, the alchemist. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, if there's anything I've learned, you know, they say it takes 20 years to be an actor. I think it takes, maybe it does take 20 years so that you can go so far away from it. <laughs> like, just like, so that you can come back to realize that like you already had whatever it is you needed right in the beginning. You just didn't know how to use it or, or work with it. Yeah. And like, I, I think it's a lot like that. I mean, if you think about it, like whenever you start acting, you have your imagination and you have your life experience and you have your body and you have, you know, your mind and your, your heart and whatever, but you've always had that. You, 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 no one ever took it away. There was no point where it ever went on a break. You know, like even when I took a hiatus from acting, like one thing I discovered while I was away, um, was that it's all still here. It's, it's not something I can actually get away from. Like, like, like I And it's something you need to get more intimate with. Yeah. Like I could stop doing acting as a career, but what I realized is like acting and I are kind of inextricably bonded. Like we'll never really be apart anymore because, and here's why, I mean, I may never act again in my life. I mean, that's possible, but I, you know, I may just decide I'm not going to do that anymore, but I will have always been 17 acting, doing my thing that will have always been yeah. like, like, you know, and there's, there's a relationship. It's like a, it's like, you know, it's like, and, and I, you know, when people say like, I don't love that person anymore, I always, I always kind of shake my head because like, of course you love them. You can't not love them once you love them. Here's, here's why. Cause it's projection. You love something about you when you fell in love with them. You yeah. didn't love them. You loved what you projected yourself into them being. I mean, for you to say you don't love them, maybe you don't love their physical being anymore because for whatever reason you made some condition on it, but you always are in love with that person Yeah. because they reflected you back at you. And so like acting is like that. It's like, if you ever loved acting at one point or you loved anything in your life, you love it forever. Like love is one of those things is once you, once you capture it, it's there forever. You yeah. can deny it. You can pretend it's not there, but that's why I think people get so jaded, oh, which yeah. is another point I wanted to bring up because I have a friend who quit acting, but because they were jaded and I just think that's not powerfully walking away. Mm-hmm. That's bullshit. That's excuses. That's nonsense to me. And you know, I've told this person that I just think like, no, like it's, it's not because the industry's hard. It's because you are hardened you know? Yeah. It's not like the industry is hard. It's always been hard. You knew that coming in. Like, don't tell it. Don't tell me anybody. Nobody ever told you You that. You just didn't want it to be hard to you. Yeah. But the thing is you loved it at one point and why it hurts now and why you're jaded is because it didn't give you back what you thought it should give you. But like that is irrelevant in the scheme of your internal world and relationship to it. That was, yeah. And you say, I mean, that was a condition. It's a condition. That was that, that you put on it. Which, that, was which only to, hurts your own love. Conditions only hurt your own love. Yeah. They don't hurt the other person. Yeah, absolutely. It, I mean, and, they have effects, but yeah, but it's it, by putting those conditions and same thing with actual relationships too. Like your right. actual personal relationship, you put, you put conditions on it. I mean, that's not really, that's not really love at that point. You no. know, if it's like, if you've made it conditional in any way. Yeah, it's not, it just isn't. So what you're really angry about is well, your, is yourself at the end of it. You're really angry about the person that you are yeah. within this whole thing. And again, and 
maybe then you go, that's, if you're at that point, that's when you take a step away from this thing. Then you go, holy shit, what do I even think? What do I even feel about this thing? Mm. You know, this, this, again, this whole thing of getting wrapped up in this identification with, with the, with what we do and what that's supposed to be. And all of this nonsense, right. That just like, that makes it so much harder. You know, you've just lumped an unnecessary, you know, like 300 pounds onto your shoulder into what you're doing. Right. As opposed to just doing it. Yeah. Doing it for the pure and simple reasons of doing it. Yeah. Which is, yeah, I just love it. Yeah. Without any condition on it, with no condition, I just love doing it. Doesn't have to give me anything. Right. Because I get from giving it. Right. That you, you put it so well, I get from giving it, I get from actually doing towards it, the thing I love, you know? Yeah. And like, um, you know, if you looked at acting like something you could give to, as opposed to something you get from, you probably have a whole new experience of your acting career. Yeah. And I think that's the thing for me is like, I look at acting now and I go, well, what can I give acting? I think that's why it's changed for me because I used to, when I was younger, I mean, I'll just be honest. I was looking at what I could get from it. And you know, and, and, uh, there was a certain point where, you know, I did become a little jaded because I was like, I can't get what I want from it. And I I just, you know, when people get jaded, I, my heart breaks always a little bit because Mm -hmm. I'm like, man, like, don't you see that that's just you? Don't you see that your jadedness is just a projection of you right now? Like, and it's, it's heartbreaking because it's like, you're creating that chaos in your own life. Like it, it doesn't actually, and, and, and I know that people do not understand projection and you don't understand the psychology of that. And like, you know, um, basically let me just sum it up. And if you didn't get half the shit we were saying, and you're like very interested and you're an actor and you want to rehear it. So basically projection is, I only know the world through my internal experience of it. Like the way, like the world is something that, that I experience and I make something out of it. And then I, then I look at the world and I project whatever I experienced inside of myself. So when someone else does something, I assume they must be experiencing it the same way I am. And sometimes I'm right. And sometimes I'm wrong. But at the end of the day, I just need to own the fact that that's just how I experienced it. Mm -hmm. And so we don't always understand that like our projections can be like daggers and they can like, they're what hurt us more than anything. And I think like, this is a point that I wanted to get to earlier in our conversation. I think it'd be great for us to finish off on this thing, yeah. which is like talking about jadedness with, with anything like acting, whatever, it doesn't really matter, but we've been focused on acting so we can focus on that, but being jaded about anything, maybe even about relationships. I think once you start getting jaded, there's, there's a, there's a wound there that you've created that you're blaming or, or, making the accusation that your wound is because of something outside of you. But really what it, the wound is there or the, the feeling of a wound, because you have not taken ownership or power over the fact that you simply care about something and you, you know, you, something matters to you and you feel it's like, probably I would, I would project like unrequainted, like that unrequainted love. Yeah. Like most people I think get hurt with love when they feel like it's not given back to them, but it's like, 
No, it's not that that person stopped giving you love. Really. It's that you stopped giving you love and people can have that argument. The most immediate argument people say in relationships, well, that person left me and they don't want to talk to me anymore. Or they, they've moved on to someone else. It's like, regardless of any of that, that didn't have anything to do with how you felt like, well, and if it did, then that was a condition. And that condition is only an excuse for you not to feel your love anymore. It's the excuse you give yourself and you think it helps you, but it actually hurts you. And that's the problem with conditional love is that we don't realize it's actually, we we condition our projections and now you condition your projection. And now you basically taint your experience, which is what, in my opinion, creates jadedness. You tainted, you tainted a good thing in you. Anyway, I, I don't know if you can sum that up in a better way, but like, that's something that I've been, <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to articulate I it. I don't even know if I articulated it well. No, I mean, like, I feel yeah. like maybe you can maybe even like it. early, I think that maybe <laughs> earlier that you, you kind of articulated it. Okay. What did I say? Better. It was you just about jadedness in general as being the projection. Hmm you know, like whatever you're jaded about, you know, like, because it's, it's a story, you know, it's like, well, you know, this, you know, the, the industry and the people who are in it and blah, 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 blah. They've put me in this position. Mm. They've been this way. And now I am a victim of what they've been doing. And so now I'm pissed about it. <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah, I'm just a jaded. So now I'm just going to treat everybody and in the industry and just the industry is in weird, you know, ju- I what's the word I'm looking for? It's, you know, just some weird disfigured creation or whatever of the industry. And I've got a problem with that because, because of it. And it's like, but it's all like you said, like you were saying earlier, it made more sense to me what you, how you said it earlier in some ways where it was just like, this is just, that's you. That's what's internally going on for you. And you're putting it onto this. And you know, can I, okay, can I jump in? Okay. So like when I started acting and I felt just so happy to be a part of it and so lucky to be a part of it, Mm -hmm. very pure, very innocent, there, there, I didn't come in, at least I didn't. I mean, maybe other people did, but I didn't come in with much of a jadedness at all. Mm -hmm. I came in with a very kind of like wondrous, wide eyed, hopeful, optimistic look at it. And which is great, which is great, but out of reality, but great, you know, in a certain kind of out of reality and a kind of like, Oh yeah, I'm just going to walk in and everybody's going to love me. And that's going to be great. Yeah. And I'm just going to, I'm going to master this thing in like three months flat. No problem. You know, like, Meanwhile, people have been putting years, but like I can do it, you know, um, just kind of this, uh, total like childish kind of out of reality, but was kind of good. And, mm-hmm. and my, but, but was great was my experience of doing the acting was wonderful. And then, you know, get a little more reality data, realize it's a little harder than I thought, realize that things don't work quite the way I thought they did realize that maybe like the opportunities aren't quite as readily yeah. as available as you might think and blah, blah, blah. And so then, and also you get a lot of jaded people, right. Putting their jadedness on you. Right. And giving you their projections and telling you how it works based on their jadedness. Yeah. And so you start to take it on. Exactly. And so like, uh, 
you know, I, I, I was writing about this this morning, but not just in relation to acting, but just relation to life is that if we looked at jadedness and negativity and pessimism, and sometimes I even want to add in realism because it's not that real or truthfulness. It's not that true into this kind of like, and I don't really mean those last two words, but like kind of this pollution, like an infection, like a, like a disease almost. Mm -hmm. It's like you're infected with it and it's curable, but so long as you're affected with it, you're sick and you're walking around and you're coughing and you're, and you're just, you got a rash and you're gross and you're puking and like, no one wants to be around you because you're just vile, right? So long as you have that jadedness and that vileness about you, you know, you are creating a self-fulfilling prophecy because you're projecting that all over the world and people are going, Oh, I don't want, I don't want that. That's not, I don't like that. And so you might attract other jaded people who kind of maybe help, um, inform you and make you feel like, Oh yeah, I'm right to be jaded because they're jaded and we're all jaded and together we're all just a bunch of fucking angry people, you know, but it's like your social circle becomes even more of a pollution and you're all sick together and you're just with sick people and you can't get out of it because your own environment informs you. And so you're stuck. Yeah. And I was writing about this this morning. I was like, the best part about me stepping away from acting was I got rid of so many people. I'm not saying got rid of, but I got away from people who I realized were fucking toxic in my life. Mm. And then you know what? Fucking toxic, just toxic. They were not in a good place. And I couldn't see like the ground from the sky, man. I was like, you know, I was, I didn't know if I was looking down or up. Yeah. And the thing is, is that it got away and I got, I got a fresh perspective and now I'm coming back to acting and I'm like, my, my eyes are in the stars again. My eyes are up. I'm looking up. I know what up from down is right. And now like when people get jaded around me, like even with like, even with writing, I've been like that for the last few years. I mean, people get jaded around me. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Like we can look at that, but let's look at it from a point of view of like, what are we going to do about it? Let's not complain yeah. about it, you know? Or from a perspective to me, it's like, well, I, I want to say, okay, so what, what are you really upset about? Right. I'm like, what are you really upset about at the core of it? Cause there's something, it's always something else, right? Yeah. Like it's always something deep down. It's something about you, which is, I think the big thing for me, at least in what you're saying Yeah. is that it's with anything that gets you, that gets you all worked up, that gets you into these places of like deep cynicism and jadedness and all of this stuff. It's just like, this is, I mean, this is not a desirable place to be, but those things can teach you something if you're willing to look at it. Hmm. Right. And I think that it's easier to just project that shit somewhere else. Right. than to look, look back, look right back at yourself (laughs) and say, it's like, okay, why am I really upset about this? what is like, why am I really upset about all of these things? Because it's all, it's all you. Like it's all, uh, it's all, it's all ourselves at the end of the day. Nothing is necessarily done to us. Yes. I mean like the world, yeah, there's a world going on around us. There's an environment going on around us, but we do have a choice in our response. Hmm right? And that's not to say that your response might not be to get angry and upset and 
judgmental and whatever. But the next step, which nobody ever teaches you (laughs) is to ask that question of why am I really upset about this? And why is this really actually about my shit? Mm. (laughs) What, why, why is this actually my own shit that I'm coming up against here? Because it is, it's yeah, your own stuff. It's your own stuff. And ironically, this is the crazy thing is that, and you know what, if you come, if you come back without your jadedness, if you come back with, you recapture a certain innocence, a certain purity, you'll be amazed at what kind of doors it opens for you. I mean, I, one of my mentors, you know, and I've shared this on other podcasts. He said to me is like you and you're so passionate and excited about this filmmaking and acting that you actually inspire me and, and remind me why I'm doing this, why I made a career out of this. Yeah. And I always think back to that because I go, it's infectious. Like my passion and drive and optimism when I'm tapped into that is infectious and it helps people and it encourages them and it does good things. And, and it, not only that, but it feels better. And, and weirdly enough, it creates opportunity because of its infectiousness. Yeah. But when I'm down in the dumps and I'm pessimistic and I'm jaded, I, I can't, buy a break. It's like everything works against me, but it's like, it's the self-fulfilling prophecy. You make it so because you live it. I want to share a story, if you don't mind, an yeah. analogy, something I've kind of seems off topic, but it's so on, I think I've something I've learned from plants. Okay. So I, <laughs> I know what kind of plants, Brandon what kind of plants. So I have two plants. I have, yeah. I have uh, a beautiful little, aloe plant. I have a beautiful aloe plant and a, and a money tree. Yeah. And they both um, I've had them for both probably a year or more or two. I don't know, whatever. But, um, we've, we've gone through some experiences together. You know, I've gone through my own life experiences and it's interesting about plants, which I've been finding is that they're quite reflective of their owner. Like, just like my cat is almost, it, it, you, you, you know, maybe you call it projection or whatever, but you start to see that, that the, the environment models you, you know, and you model your environment. And so mm. if you don't like the way you're being change your environment or change yourself and your environment will change. And sometimes you got to do a little of both and you start to evolve. Right. Yeah. And so, um, over the last few years, one of the big lessons I've learned is I'm a product of my environment. My environment is a product of me. So one of us needs to change. And if my environment can change, it will help me change. And if I change, it'll help my environment change. And so it goes. Right. And so I've learned to, you know, if you're in a rut, move your furniture around. Everything in your house needs to go in a different place in a different location. Just do it because what will happen is now you'll have a new perspective of your life. Plus by moving things, you'll start to realize that things are getting in your way. It'll be easier to throw stuff out because you'll interact with it. Yeah. So, you know, I've gone through a bunch of stuff like this, but with these plants, um, the money tree, as you can see is flourishing. It was like half the size when I got it, it's growing more and more all the time. And the money tree grows slow and steady. That's kind of its thing. Yeah. The aloe vera, what, which I got was a tiny little baby. Aloe vera actually grows pretty fast, but it was a tiny little baby of a plant when I got it. Yeah. And when I first got it, I never really had a plant and I didn't think about it much. It just kind of sat almost in a corner and I didn't really look at it or interact with it and barely watered it. And and one day I I was looking at it. I was like, holy shit, this thing's dying. Like it's going to die. Like why? why do I have a dying plant in my house? And I was like, I was like, Hey, either you can throw this thing out or you can save it. 
And so I was like, I'm fucking saving the thing. So I started watering it every day and every day I walked up to it and I kind of like touch its little, you know, it's little, I don't know, whatever you call them. Uh, I touch it and I'd be like, you're good. You're strong. You're going to grow. And it, it grew. It's so big. It flourished. It totally came back to life. And I thought it was like a goner. Like it was at that point where it's like, I'd maybe left it too long. So it's, it's grown massively. It's grown like five times its size. And now it's at a point where it's, it's growing, like it's outgrowing its pot. And I, so I, so I was like, at first I didn't know what was happening. So I planted new soil, but apparently the soil I put in, this is what I'm learning was not good soil. It was shitty soil. Mm. So it's been trying to survive in shitty soil. And so what ended up happening was it, it, it actually kind of made it worse. It like, I didn't realize it was not only outgrowing its pot, but it didn't have the nutrients and resources around it because it's at such a fast growing rate yeah. that it couldn't survive. Now, I want you to think about how this reflects to you as an artist. Mm-hmm. Think about your environment. If your environment isn't giving you nutrients and value, how are you going to flourish? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right? So, um, my mom, she's, she's had many plants and they flourished and, you know, same with my dad, I've seen them and watched them uh, you know, really like make plants kind of flourish. Right. Yeah. And so I messaged my mom and I, you know, we were talking about it. Actually, we've had a couple conversations, but I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I, I guess I need to replant it or whatever. And she looked at it and immediately knew she said, Oh, it's grown so big. It actually grew a whole nether aloe vera underneath the surface. There's two plants in there. now. Oh, wow. So it's not just one. It actually it had a baby and it grew yeah. a baby. Like, and basically that whole baby has become like this big plant too. And now what you had was one plant in a pot. Now you actually have two plants in the same pot. And, and, and I, and, and was like, wow. So tomorrow we're getting together and she's bringing out a new pot and we're going to replant, resoil, and just basically create a better environment for it. And so I look at this plant and it's been very reflective of my own acting career. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, Hey, like, you know, I'm growing, but like my environment isn't meeting what I've grown to. Sometimes you outgrow your environment and you have to move on from it. Mm-hmm. And you might even need to literally just drop everything away and, and restart. And like, you know, I think we can all look at ourselves and go like, am I flourishing right now? Am I, am I, am I growing as big as I can grow? And if you're not, you know, it might be that you're not nurturing you and your soil yeah. and your environment or your environment is just not capable of fitting you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I want to iterate that what you're saying with this, the words like flourish and environment, Hmm. this like that, there's a lot that's involved with that or that that can entail. It doesn't literally mean like flourish is in because immediately for a lot of us, we say flourish is like, Oh, it means like monetary success you know, like financial, it it can certainly, that can be an element of it. Um, but it can be on a more personal level in terms of like we talked about, how about how you feel about your own work, Mm. you know, flourishing in your work and environment can yes, literally mean physically your environment, but it can also be the environment that you are creating for yourself. Like for me, um, last year I, I stopped auditioning for commercials. I stopped going out for, for commercial work, like literally commercials for people who are listening, mm. like, you know, ads and stuff. I wasn't getting anything out of it. Like, you know, I was booking them here or there and it was a paycheck, but it, for me, it, it became a point where I'm like, it, it wasn't worth it for me. Mm. 
anymore to be going and spending my time doing this. It wasn't something that I, I enjoyed. It was, it, it did not give me a sense of flourishing. So I stopped doing it. And that was a way of me reshaping my environment. That was the, me reshaping the environment of how I work. Hmm. So it's not necessarily like the, all my, my whole point was, it's like, it's not necessarily like a physical thing or a monetary thing that these words can pertain to. Yeah. They can pertain to our own sense of flourishing and, in, and inner environment as well. Inner right. and outer. I guess that's what I mean. Um, I, you know, it's I, both of these things. I agree with you. And I think that also like, um, you know, I've been, I've been contemplating with the whole thing. It was like, do I need to move? Do I need to move? Like not just my house, but maybe like I've been playing around with all sorts of ideas. Maybe I need to move to another city, maybe another country, maybe just whatever. And, um, as I've been kind of like, you know, having heart to hearts with myself about this whole thing, I started to realize it's like, well, maybe temporarily what you need is a change of environment. Maybe Mm -hmm. like get away for a week, maybe, you know, and like, like, like what I'm, what I also realize is that sometimes this stuff doesn't have to be as extreme as it might seem. Like, I yeah. think, you know, like one thing is like, you know, you don't want to run away from your problem. You want to make sure that you're not running away from your problems because there's that saying like, wherever you go, there you are. Like, it's not like if, if, if it's with you, it's always going to be with you. So you need to like identify that. But like sometimes I've been around people who like, okay. Like there's another saying, they say you are the product of the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah. If you're around somebody and you're not liking the way that they're interacting with you and and what's important to you, you need to not just move away from them because that person will reinvent themselves somewhere else in your life. What you need to do is you need to confront them and, and talk to them and say, Hey, look, this is important to me. And you don't seem to be on board. So look, if we're going to keep hanging out or being around each other, like we need to get on board about this. I'm like, look, if you want to take that talk or those ideas to other people, that's fine, but not around me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I've been very clear with people. I think that's why, like, I'm starting to like flourish a little more in my life. I would say, because I'm very clear with people. I'm like, you know, it's fine. Like if that's how you think about it, but in, in our conversations, I don't want to do that you know? Yeah. I want to talk about what's possible. I want to talk about ideas. I do not want to talk about other people, especially if you want to talk about negative stuff about other people. I'm not interested because that doesn't create an environment for me to flourish the way I want to flourish. Maybe for you, you like it. But what's interesting is once I call people out on it, mostly they put themselves in check and they go, you know, I don't really want to do that either. But like a lot of people talk about negative stuff because they think that's the only way they can connect. Mm. So it's not that they're negative people. Mm. That's what people don't always realize. Even the negative person, they don't realize that they're being negative because they think, well, if I talk to you about something negative, you always respond to me. So we can always talk. But if I talk about positive, you go good. And it's like, we don't, the conversation ends. And so sometimes like, and I'm not saying like, I'm necessarily like that, but I think like sometimes misery loves company and we don't realize that we contribute to misery loves company. So if you want to change your environment, sometimes it's change how you respond and deal with your environment, not just get a new pot and plant new soil. Like yeah. don't just ex excavate all your friends and, and your whole life and move your house and yeah. think that's going to solve things. Like the way you treat the soil and the way you like place the plant and like if you, it needs light, you got to give it light. If you don't give it light, it dies. You know, yeah. like you're the same thing. Maybe you don't need light. Some plants need darkness. 
Some plants don't need to be watered every day. Some plants need to be watered once a week. It really just depends. And you are a plant too, but you don't necessarily, I mean, on the physical level, we all need to get a certain amount of water, food, whatever, air, but like on a interpersonal level, you might need different things than other people need. You might need a lot of social interaction to feel like you're really like thriving in life. Some people need less. They need a lot of alone time, mm-hmm. but you got to find your balance, right? Like one thing I, I realized when, when I was younger that really helped me flourish was I would go for walks alone at night. I don't know why it's my meditative for me. It, it works like a charm. I've been doing that recently. Life fucking just, I don't know. It's like, I, it's for me, that's like my time. And if I, if I take that time for myself, I'll show up the next day and I'll kill it. Yeah. If I, if I go too long without taking a walk at night, I start to get a little stir crazy. I start mm. to get a little, cause I need to do it. And the reason I, I thought about it is like, why do I like it at night? It's cause I don't know. It's dark. I'm alone. I'm with myself. I'm with my thoughts. I'm walking and I feel like nobody else is up. It's a great time for me to really connect. If I, if I do it in the day in the sun, it's fine, but it doesn't quite have the same effect. If I go out at night, I find for whatever reason, it, it, the, I don't know, like for me, I find my thought process just, it's like more expansive. Yeah. Some people can argue that I I don't really give a shit. It's like, that's my experience. So Mm -hmm. I I've been learning to nurture that. So that's me, right? Maybe it doesn't fit. Also uh, another thing, last thing, yeah. sleeping in all my life. I've been told, got to get up early. You want to succeed in life. So I've been working with like my men's group and they've been pointing out like, look, you're an artist. You like to stay up late and do this. And then don't expect that you need to get up at 6am with everybody else. Sleep in. If that's what you want to do, if you want to stay up all night and create and write and do all this shit then sleep in and then get up when you, when it's right for you and then start your day. Yeah. And I've been doing that. And I'll tell you, man, it's fucking dynamite for me. But if I get yeah. an early nine o'clock audition, which I sometimes do, I'll get up, I'll tough it out. No big deal. But it's like, whatever, if that's, if I'm getting auditions in the morning and I'm, or I'm booking a role or I got to get up at 6am, I'll do that. I don't care. But like, this is my life. I get to, I get to do it how I get to do it. Yeah. Just like the, each of these plants are different. They need to be treated differently. They need to be dealt with differently. And I think like as actors, we need to start looking at ourselves or artists. We need to start looking at ourselves like that too. Yeah. You're your own plant. You're your own thing. You know, you need your own pot with your own, like your own ground, your own environment. You, you need either darkness or you need yeah. light. You need a lot of water, or a little water, whatever. And nobody else can tell you what that is. Right. Right. Only, you know, it's only, you know, it's good enough for you. Right. Coming back around to that one again. Well, and it's like a, the, but, the way we started the conversation, I know we can wrap it up, but like acting is for me is like, you know, I just kind of found like that's, I find a lot of joy in doing it. Yeah. Regardless of what happens in my career out of it. I like doing it when I'm doing it. I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. Whether I'm doing it in the mirror with myself and my cat or I'm on stage or I'm on a movie set, regardless, I like doing it. Yeah. You know, and that's all right. I like writing, you know, beautiful. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, so what do you got? What do you, what do you want to, what do you want to run up this baby? Up um, with? well, in terms of what stuck out in my mind in, in some of this conversation, um, I mean this, this whole thing of, of like, yeah, like stepping back sometimes, uh, 
where you're put into this situation, maybe where you are feeling cynical about what's going on. Um, and you've identified yourself as this thing and really coming to that place of being like, of maybe you don't need this thing. Maybe you don't need to be this thing. Um, and, and then being able to come back with, with fresh eyes, fresh perspective on, on what you do, uh, and having a newfound sense of, of joy and love for what it is, um, without the, the conditions. I think the conditions was a big part of this talk. Um, Hmm. yeah, conditions and, and our, and identification was a big one. And I really loved your, your analogy on, you know, bring up the old, that old analogy of the putting the cart before the horse. I've never thought about that in terms of, you know, artistic technique and, and you could apply that probably to how we approach, you know, making it in the industry as well. Hmm. But yeah, so often we just, we put, all of the stuff that we've loaded into the cart, you know, that we've loaded into the wagon. <laughs> right. And she's like, okay, I want to make sure I see every, like I keep, I'm keeping an eye on everything I put in the wagon. Right. So I, I'm going to put it in front of me. Right. Well, wow, that's even better way to take the analogy, you know? And it's yeah. like, it, it's so you, well, cause why else would you put it there? Yeah. No, yeah, that's a good point. Man. Right. I, I like, never thought about it that way, but I like it. <laughs> why do you put it ahead of yeah. you? Why that's would you, why? Cause you're always you, trying to keep an eye on it. Yeah. You're trying to keep an eye on it and like, you're going to do yourself more harm that way. It's like, you know, like if you're going to, you're going to run yourself into the ditch cause you have no, you actually have no control over it. You can't it. see anything. You can't see anything stuff. beyond it. And, <laughs> and you're trying to push a thing that can't steer itself. Mm-hmm. You're trying to push it from the back end as opposed to pulling it, being the thing that's, that it's following. Hmm. And then you actually have some control over this, this thing. Yeah. Maybe you lost a carrot on a bump <laughs> along the way, but you didn't lose the whole thing in, in the, the gutter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really, really like the way you took that analogy and kind of added that element to it of like, you know, when I think about it, I'm like, that's why I put the cart ahead of the horse. I'm, I'm trying to keep an eye on everything and make sure I'm doing it all, you know, and making sure it's I don't all there. do anything wrong. Yeah. But like, that's the, I think that's why I'm enjoying acting so much right now is like, I'm literally like the cart is full, but I'm walking into those auditions and I'm just doing it and it's, it's full and it's just, you know, and and I always leave those auditions going, ah, you know, like there's always this little voice to me that goes, ah, there could have been a little more. You could have done, you know, whatever. But I'm yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's true. Yeah. yeah, Okay. We'll work on it. But I'm like, but the thing is, is like, I'm, I'm, I had fun. We had fun. We did what we intended to do, you know? And like, and I kind of like have this like little talk of myself afterwards, um, where I just go, yeah, like we'll work on it. We'll get, we'll, we'll get that next time, you know? Yeah. Like, and it's like, you know, and the ego voice, I don't let it kind of dominate me like it used to. And it's a lot more fun, but, uh, yeah. Okay. That stood out to me too. Um, the, the way, not just the analogy thing, but the way you turned it and kind of yeah. pointed out some things I wasn't looking at as well. Cause I didn't realize how much of an analogy it would actually end up being in this conversation. <laughs> um, I think that that last little talk about the plants, I think is an important thing. Um, I know that was one I, yeah. br- another one I brought up, but environment, like, environment and, is, yeah. yeah. And flourishing. And, uh, and also, yeah, the, the, 
the jadedness and the cynicism. And that was another big thing too. Yeah. What's all that really all about? Right. Asking that question, I think is a big one. And, you know, I think, um, if, I mean, if I was going to leave anybody with anything, I would say like, you actually already have everything you need right now. You just don't know it yet. You don't know how to access it yet, but give it time, be patient, trust, um, have some faith and, and, and recognize that you might have to do a lot wrong before you ever start to figure out how to just let what, what is the magic of you like be and flourish as it is. Um, and that's okay. And you know what? Given enough time, given enough patience, given enough love, you'll make it all work. Don't let, don't let jadedness corrupt your time and love. Just yeah. don't, don't let it do that. And, uh, yeah, have some fun. Have some fun. <laughs> oh, this was good. I had fun. Oh, me too, man. This is great. <laughs> um, not just cause you and I were talking and doing a podcast. Yeah. And drinking beer. <laughs> all right, everybody. If you're an actor, keep acting. Yeah. And if you're an artist, keep artisting. (laughs) That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.